Welcome to Women Transcend. I'm Jennifer Todd, and this is a podcast that explores issues that affect women and girls worldwide. Each episode, we dive into a topic of national or international significance and discuss the particular impact on women and girls and how they are able to overcome or transcend. Whether you are a friend of the pod or a new listener, we're glad you have found us. We bring Women Transcend to you free and without advertising each week. If you like the program, one thing you can do to support Women Transcend is leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. This will help others find us as well. For a podcast, this is Currency. We also encourage you to be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that new episodes will automatically show up in your podcast player each week. What is a crisis pregnancy center? If you haven't heard of these centers before, the name might suggest something slightly different than the reality. Crisis pregnancy centers, or CPCs as they're known, are nonprofit organizations that counsel women to continue pregnancies and not to have an abortion. They are sometimes called pregnancy resource centers as well, but they serve as abortion diversion centers. The first CPC started in the late 1960s, so this isn't a new thing. But they've gained momentum in numbers in the 1980s and the 1990s even securing federal funding for the work that they do. There are currently an estimated 4,000 CPCs in the United States. The CPC movement has become a global movement, and these centers can now be found in Canada, Europe, Central America, Africa, Australia, and probably many other places that I haven't identified. This is a global effort and a global attack on women's sovereignty over their reproductive health and choice. One of the hallmarks of many, if not most, CPCs is the use of deception. The guidebook written by the founder of the first CPC back in the late 1960s, called the Pearson Manual, states, quote, Regarding when a caller asks if they provide abortion services, there is nothing wrong or dishonest if you don't want to answer a question that may reveal your pro-life position by changing the caller's train of thought by asking a question in return. The manual suggests that volunteers or staff answer the question, are you a pro-life center, with, we are a pregnancy testing center, What is a pro-life center? Most recently, CPCs have become very savvy at using digital tools to engage and interact with women. They have a national hotline that can be accessed 24 hours a day, and women can contact them by phone or contact only by text alone. Another more disturbing use of technology is the use of smartphone surveillance to target women by sending information or propaganda directly to the woman's smartphone while she is sitting in a clinic waiting room using a technology called 
mobile geofencing. What has become the hallmark of the CPCs, the use of deception and misinformation to engage women who are pregnant, is what is the most troubling aspect of their work. Their mission is crystal clear, their motives obvious, their methods very troubling. Coming up next, my interview with Amber Banks. She is an activist for women's reproductive health rights and the director of programs and communication for NARAL Pro-Choice Maryland. Welcome to Women Transcend, Amber. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really glad that you agreed to join us to talk about this issue, which I have studied, and I know that you have spent a great deal of your professional time and energy on, and that is the topic of crisis pregnancy centers. And I think probably the best place to start is, would you um, define what a crisis pregnancy center is? Well, crisis pregnancy centers are anti-abortion centers that set up and try to lure women in who think they might be pregnant or who are looking for information about pregnancy, um, birth control, abortion, any of those things. And they do this by offering free pregnancy tests and sometimes other um, free services such as ultrasounds or baby supplies. And unfortunately, their ultimate goal is to push their anti-abortion, anti-contraception agenda. And they often give out medical misinformation and or use pressure um, tactics to discourage women from choosing to have an abortion or choosing to use contraception or even have premarital sex. Okay. Now, you're with NARAL Pro-Choice Maryland, and I know that uh, your organization has done some really great research on crisis pregnancy centers and their methodologies, and you just mentioned that they sometimes purvey some inaccurate medical information. Can you give us any specifics on, on what you found in that report overall, and then in specifically with regard to medical information that they gave out? Sure. So what we did included a lot of undercover visits where we sent uh, trained volunteers and staff members into the centers to say, you know, I missed a period, I think I might be pregnant, so that they could get a free pregnancy test and see what they were told. And what we found was, uh, like I mentioned, a lot of medical misinformation. Some of the specific things that came up a lot, they like to say that there's a connection between breast cancer and abortion, and that if you have an abortion, you're more likely to get breast cancer in, a fu- in the future. They also like to claim that abortion can cause mental health problems. So some of them make up uh, like a post-abortion stress syndrome or post-abortion stress disorder (laughs) that Mm -hmm. doesn't exist. And then I also heard a lot about depression and suicide. One center told me, you know, oh, women are very likely to try and commit suicide after they have an abortion and your boyfriend will probably leave you anyway. So you should definitely not do that. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, for somebody who is maybe um, this isn't a planned pregnancy, they're they're young, they're maybe scared. This can be, I would imagine, could be quite intimidating and 
horrifying, I would think. Yes, even um, with the trained volunteers who are going in there knowing what to expect, I know at least one person like burst into tears because she was just so stressed out by the experience. And they're certainly targeting women who might have less experience. They like to set up near college campuses. We've seen them advertising in high school newspapers here in Maryland. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's an accident that they are really um, trying to reach women who might not have as much experience or as much access to medical information and medical services. Yeah, I've noticed them in quite a few college newspapers as well. So what are some of the other experiences that your volunteers had when they went into the centers undercover? Um, Well, one thing that the centers do is separate you from the person that you came in with. Uh, When I did visits, I actually brought my mom with me and they made her wait in the waiting room basically the whole time and asked me basically whether she was supportive of me staying pregnant or would be encouraging me to get an abortion. And so they really tried to keep you separate until they could be sure, I I think, what the other person would say that you'd brought with you, whether it was your partner or your friend or your parent. There's also a lot of talk about contraception not working. So people who would say, oh, yes, I was on birth control and I still got pregnant, or the holes in condoms are, are bigger than sperm and bigger than the HIV virus. So condoms don't work. Again, more misinformation to a population that that even if they're educated and they know that, you know, I, I think I've read otherwise, if you're scared or, you know, again, if this is unplanned, even if it's planned, you're you're a little bit stressed and vulnerable and messages like this, I, I can see could resonate or just sort of get stuck and you would worry, what if that happens to me? What if I get breast cancer because of this? Yes. And And they definitely try to maximize the amount of time they have with you. The tests they're doing are generally the drugstore tests that, you know, that you just put some urine on. Uh But at some centers, you would have to give your sample and then they'd be like, all right, while we wait for the test, let's talk. And that would be 40 minutes, not like the three minutes that it takes. In other ones, they'd want to have the counseling conversation first before they'd even do the test. Uh So... They were certainly trying to keep you there longer before they would tell you if you were pregnant when a lot of people come there for the free pregnancy test. Uh Uh-huh. And I've also heard that when you leave, that you leave with loads of literature, but also like baby booties and, um, you know, baby paraphernalia to get a woman excited about a pregnancy, even if she wasn't, it wasn't planned and she's not sure she wants to continue. Yes, I would say we got some baby booties and also um, a lot of literature and some some Bibles. Oh, yeah. Um, those were common um, handouts. So you mentioned that they put billboards up close to universities. What are some other areas that they tend to target? I think they're also very common in areas with low-income populations, um, high populations of women of color and immigrant women. And that's most likely because what the, what they're doing to get people to come to them is offering free services. And for wealthy people in, in wealthier areas who have health insurance, they have no reason to follow a free pregnancy test sign when they can go to their doctor or go to the drugstore and can afford that. So they're definitely taking advantage of the fact that not everyone has the same resources. Yeah, I think that I have seen more than once 
a billboard for a crisis pregnancy center right next to a payday loan uh, store or something. So these these are the areas that they are particularly targeting. And, and I think it's not because of need. It's because of, I might phrase it as desperation. Um, this This is a population that might lack health insurance. And if you think you're pregnant and you need to get some care or determine for sure if you are pregnant and how far along and what you need to do, what are your options, um, seeing a sign, pregnant, scared, don't know what to do, that might be exactly what you think you need. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I think that they know who is most likely to come to them and they have figured out how to advertise to those those people. Um, they've been around for a long time. I think that our organization first did a report on them in, I think, 2002 before I was here. But I think they were even around before that. So they've probably got more than 20 years of experience um, figuring out how to how to reach people. Uh-huh. And I remember in some of my research reading, and I can't remember the specific numbers, but there are many times more crisis pregnancy centers than there are family planning centers. So just in terms of finding a place to go, if you are pregnant and scared, you're going to stumble across a crisis pregnancy center, but you're really going to have to look for a place that provides free or reduced cost family planning care. Yes, there there are a lot of them, and especially in in less urban areas, it's much harder to find free and reduced cost resources from actual medical providers. So they certainly capitalize on that. Do you think that when women go to a crisis pregnancy center, that they understand what services will be provided? I think that it might depend on the center. So when I went into them, some of them looked more like living rooms and were very homey. And they made sure to say, oh, well, you know, I'm not a doctor, but here's some information you can read. Other ones looked very much like medical offices and had receptionists behind glass, like sliding glass windows and had people wearing white coats and had in the bathroom, you know, the little door slot that you put your urine sample in so that some anonymous person on the other side can get it. So I think that it might depend on the center, and it also might depend on the person who's going there and how much resource, research they've done in advance. I don't want to say that no one would go there on purpose, because I think there are people who might be looking for that kind of support who aren't looking for an abortion and who aren't interested in birth control. And we respect the fact that some women really just want some pregnancy support. So that's why a lot of the work we've done has focused on the the false advertising that's being done so that people aren't being tricked into coming there by accident. That's an excellent point. For sure, I should point out that there are women that know what the mission of a crisis pregnancy center is, and they are scared and pregnant, and they want that support. And certainly that's what they get there. But as you mentioned, sometimes their advertising is a little bit misleading. So thank you for clarifying that. I'd like to bring up Planned Parenthood um, because it's been much in the news. And I'd like to say that this is a new thing, but it's been much in the news for quite a long time. But this is related to crisis pregnancy centers in terms of misinformation, I think. So a lot of political energy and discourse has been spent on 
the services that Planned Parenthood provides and specifically abortions. Do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, I think you're right that it is it is what we see a lot of. Planned Parenthood does a lot of a lot of health services that are not abortion, but many of their centers also provide abortion. And the fact that they are being targeted by it, both by people who want to defund them and also sometimes by threats and violence is really unacceptable. Yeah, exactly. So federal funding does not go to Planned Parenthood to pay for abortions through uh, Title X family planning funding. So that's Yeah, the federal government has something called the Hyde Amendment, which yeah. restricts funding for abortion um, to very, very specific circumstances, including the life of the woman and also some other speci- very specific, like rape and incest. And that affects anyone who gets their health insurance through the government, whether it's Medicaid or the military or government employees or the Peace Corps. And then the funding for non-abortion services that I think is most often talked about with the defund Planned Parenthood conversations is Medicaid reimbursements, yeah. which is it's not like a check being written to them. It's like any other provider. They are reimbursed for the medical services that they provide to people who have their health insurance through the government in some way. And it also, like I said, does not include abortion because of the Hyde Amendment, um, which sadly has been around for more than 30 years. Yeah, quite a while. If a woman thinks she's pregnant, doesn't have a regular provider that she can go to, maybe maybe doesn't have insurance, how can a woman tell if she's going to a crisis pregnancy center that that offers limited services versus, you know, a, a more broader array of services that would be offered at, say, a family planning clinic or even an OB office? I think there's there's a few ways you can tell that you what you're looking at might be a crisis pregnancy center. For one, sometimes the websites are kind of vague about what exactly they provide and ask you to call. And then sometimes if you call, they'll say, oh, well, you should come in in person and talk to us. Which certainly had some people where I'd say, hi, like, I'm interested, uh, like, can I get an abortion there? And instead of saying, no, you can't, some of them will say, oh, how far along are you? Have you taken a pregnancy test? You should come in and won't actually answer their question. Now, what we have seen is since there has been, especially the past 10 years or so, a large coordinated effort by reproductive rights activists to fight back against crisis pregnancy centers, a lot more of them are listing themselves as abortion alternatives. Their websites say we can tell you all the information about abortion, but are no longer making it seem as though they will actually provide it there. And I think that's a really that's a really big victory for us yeah. that we've started to make them a little more honest. Uh-huh. Um, but yes, I think you can also call and ask, you know, can I get emergency contraception there or can I get an abortion there? And if they say no, you can say, oh, can you tell me where I can go? And, you know, we've seen some of them won't even refer you for emergency contraception, which and pretty much anyone could say, oh, just go to a pharmacy. They say, well, um, we don't do that or that's an abortion and we don't support that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then 
If you're just talking about Maryland, the state actually keeps a list of the licensed surgical abortion facilities that you can find on their website. Um, that might vary state to state. So depending where you are, that might not be a way, but you can tell that you're at a real place in our state, at least if you see them on the list. Uh-huh. Okay. And I think to reiterate something that you said before that I think is really important, I don't think it's the intention of NARAL pro-choice America or Maryland or the, the pro-choice movement to drive the crisis pregnancy centers out of business. It's to be sure that they are passing on accurate medical information and that women know when they visit what services are provided. Is that fair to say? Yes, that's absolutely fair to say. Um, we don't think that they should give out false medical information and we don't think that they should be lying to get people to come to them. And I think the, the one other part is that in some states they're getting significant amounts of money from the state in order to do this counseling, if you'd call it that, um, which is not actually a medical service. And those funds should be going to departments of health or to actual medical providers and not to fund this ideological agenda. Uh-huh. Great, great point. As I talk about this issue with people, I've had some interesting experiences. I've had people say, oh, I went to one of those and I didn't even realize what it was or that it was weird. Someone told me, you know, I went because I was pregnant and I wanted to keep my baby. I just needed some assistance. And she said, they gave me a crib, but they made me bring a letter from my pastor about how often I went to church. And I, I just didn't occur wow. to me until now that that was that that was weird and that that is what was happening. And so it's interesting how many people don't realize that they've been tricked or manipulated by one of these centers until I actually tell them like, that's, this is what is happening. And then it's also interesting how many people I meet who identify as pro-life and who don't support abortion, who also are very uncomfortable with the idea of centers that are lying to people. What I've heard is we have a really good point and we don't need to lie in order to be right. And although I don't often um, agree with people who are anti-abortion on many things, I think it's interesting that that some of them really don't support lying yeah, <laughs> and that we're actually in some ways on the same side on that. Uh -huh. So it's certainly a, a specific piece of the anti-abortion movement that believes that this is the way to go. And it's not always supported by individuals who identify as pro-life. Yeah. In fact, without naming any names, I think that there are like two main umbrella organizations that sort of franchise out these crisis pregnancy centers. And they do a lot of nationwide fundraising and then place these crisis pregnancy centers, like you said, in areas that they identify are lacking family planning centers or lacking access to care. So it's not necessarily that it's sort of grassroots, anti-choice movement fundraising, that this is a national and even international movement. Would you agree with that? Yes, there are a few big umbrella organizations that do a lot. And then we also see kind of smaller local ones that pop up. Um, and I also think it is important to distinguish between the people who are at the top of this like um, crisis pregnancy center movement who are really driving it. And then the people who are volunteers there, um, a lot of their staff are volunteers. 
And I've actually spoken to some of them and they believe that the information they're giving out is correct. So they've been told that this is medically accurate and they don't even know that what they're saying to the people who come to see them is inaccurate. So I think there is, there's certainly ill intent at some levels. Some people know that what they're saying is wrong and they're doing it anyway. But some of the volunteers who are there because they really believe in, in this cause don't, um, I think they're also being manipulated and don't realize that, that what they're being told isn't right. We are always gathering more information and we keep a website online called itslies.org about crisis pregnancy centers if people want to read through it and learn a little more um, about how to spot a crisis pregnancy center and the kind of specific medical misinformation they're giving out. Okay, great. So that resource is itslies. I-T-S-L-I-E-S, it's lies.org. And you can use that site to look up and identify, you know, if you make an appointment somewhere, look up and see, is it a crisis pregnancy center? Yeah, so we keep a list of all the ones in Maryland that we've identified, but also just kind of general strategies on how to tell if that's what you're seeing and some of the information or things they might tell you that aren't correct. Great. Well, I thank you so much, Amber, for taking the time to join us today to talk about this issue and to lend your your expertise. And I also thank you for the good work that you do at NARAL Pro-Choice. So thank you for your time and for lending your conversation today. Thank you for having me. Today's woman in the spotlight is Whoopi Goldberg, who has been fairly open about her experience with abortion at age 14. She says, quote, I found out I was pregnant when I was 14. I didn't get a period. I talked to nobody. I panicked. I sat in hot baths. I drank these strange concoctions girls told me about, something like Johnny Walker Red and a little bit of Clorox alcohol, baking soda, and some sort of cream. You mixed it all up. I got violently ill. At that moment, I was more afraid of having to explain to anybody what was wrong than of going to the park with a hanger, which is what I did. For her courage in being honest about her painful experience, we have chosen Whoopi Goldberg as our woman in the spotlight. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Women Transcend. You can do us a big favor and tell at least one other person about our podcast and how to find us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you can be sure you won't miss an episode. It will automatically show up in your podcast player. A big thanks to Amber Banks for speaking with me for today's episode and to John Philbeck for doing all of the fabulous sound artistry so that we sound so good. Tweet us at Women Transcend or follow us on Facebook. We always enjoy hearing from you. That's all for this episode.